podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Serie Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. And welcome to the Serie A Chronicles, and we're recording on a very, very busy Tuesday morning. And you can already hear Ross is barking because it is barking mad in Italian football at the moment. News just broke that Jose Mourinho has been relieved of duties at Roma. But before we get into this, I just want to ask you to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It helps us to be found, and so we can attract even more listeners. For our Chronicles to Fossey Patreons, make sure you join the chat in the Patreon app. Hello, and welcome to Patrick Kendrick and Nikki Bandini. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Excited to get into the big topic of the day, Mourinho. There's nothing worse in life, is there, than not being talked about. And uh, that, that certainly doesn't apply to Mourinho, I think. So. You know what? When, <laughs> as soon as this news broke, right, in my head, I'm like, Patrick's loving this. Like, he's just going to love. Like, if, if Schadenfreude can be used to describe a man, <laughs> yeah, like, I just kind of feel like it would be you. What about you, Nikki? Did you, you were expecting this sort of. Well, I sort of yes and sort of no. I, I wrote a piece for the Guardian just yesterday saying I think the writing's on the wall. Um, but I didn't necessarily expect it to happen today. As I was just saying to you before we started, this, this is very important information for our listeners. But I was supposed to wash my hair last night, knowing I was going to be doing stuff on camera. I thought, oh, too tired. I'll do it in the morning. And I wake up in the morning to the news, and you're like, oh god, I'm just have to do everything looking looking like a bag of rags. But whatever. It's uh, it's uh, the interesting days in football journalism isn't it when when there's news that happens and and this is certainly news you know what it is it is it is that kind of stuff as well like for women it's like oh I'll just put it off and stuff always happens when you put it off you know anyway I I promise myself that I start going to the gym as soon as new year hit we are on the 16th (laughs) of Jan I haven't gone once anyway (laughs) but I'm paying for it so (laughs) Who 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 stupidly still goes and does these things on for New Year's resolutions? Anyway, ignoring all of this, let's get into it because I can <laughs> feel Patrick is frothing at the mouth. Like a rabid dog. A rabid wolf. <laughs> a rabid wolf in this case. Yeah, absolutely. So then I'm not exaggerating at this point. Right. Just to just to give you some context, obviously there were Coppa Italia games. And um, we saw some interesting performances, perhaps none more so than Lazio defeating Roma 1-0. Interesting isn't the word for the actual performance, but interesting the result, maybe. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Well, yes. And so, oh, Roma started. This was looking bad for Roma, obviously. And then question marks about Mourinho. But of course, there was a big match coming up against Milan. Now, this was going to be even more interesting because both Stefano Pioli and Jose Mourinho have been under pressure considering the performances of their respective clubs this season. Milan have been knocked out of the Coppa Italia and, of course, of the Champions League, whereas Roma have pretty much lost too many uh, derbies to Lazio, lying in ninth at the moment after a 3-1 loss to Milan, in which Milan actually seemed 
seem to reclaim former glories and produce a powerful performance. Uh, we saw the very best of Giroud and just in and the very best perhaps of even Stefano Pioli, who showed us what tactics can do to ensure the win. Now, it's also worth noting that Mourinho obviously was without uh, Paolo Dybala. I always like to say that because people say it's not an alibi, but I do think it's important to sometimes note that big absences make a difference, except Dybala is almost always absent for Roma these days. Nonetheless, Tuesday morning, it was released that Roma had now parted ways with Jose Mourinho. They put a picture up of him and thanked him after winning the award of the conference for the Conference League saying we'll always have great memories. And uh, now it's supposed to be Daniele De Rossi, who could be the next coach. But before we get all into all of that, Patrick, here's your chance, baby. <laughs> Blimey. Okay, that's a big build up. Yeah, I, I think we have to take everything into context, don't we? I mean, unfortunately, it's happened again. It's third season Mourinho. He hasn't completed a third season. That's been the trend at... Um, his most, uh, his most recent jobs, certainly, you know, I think he was at his best when he was leaving after a couple of seasons. We saw it with Porto. Uh, we saw it with Inter as well. Obviously, Chelsea, he lost his job the first time around. But it just feels like it was inevitable with the results that they weren't getting. And he went into full-on crisis mode where he was talking up his achievements and seemed to be suggesting that there were enemies within the club as well. I think we saw that after his... Derby defeat to Lazio. That's now four derbies in a row where they haven't scored. He's lost four of his first six against Sarri. Sarri was the first coach, first Lazio coach since Sven Joran Eriksson to win four of his first six derbies. I think it's nice to take the opportunity as well to to just you know stress the the legacy that Sven Joran Eriksson has in um, in Italian football as well. Given the the sad news recently about his um, his health issues, but I think Mourinho had this bizarre performance and it was nothing more than a performance in his press conference on Saturday when he immediately addressed criticism before they even took questions he said I want to make a statement and he went on this bizarre rant about how he is the embodiment of professionalism which without a hint of irony which was quite amusing given all of the the antics that has you know gone with him accompanied him throughout his career and it was all due to the fact that on Thursday he had taken a personal day and people question the timing of that, a day on from losing yet another derby and going out of the Coppa Italia, one competition that on paper Roma could feasibly win. He decided to take a day off and he said, this is outrageous. It's the first day I've ever missed training in 23 years of my career, not just at Roma and so on and so forth. Um, then he started going on about how he felt betrayed by his players again. There was a lot of this, I think he sensed he was very close to the exit. He knew that he was suspended for the... Milan game, which meant he probably wasn't going to speak after the game. I think he sensed that his team could lose as well. He will justify that by saying that Roma simply don't have the same squad depth as Milan. He frequently stressed the point that the Milan squad is built to challenge for the Scudetto, whereas his team is, his is team not. His team costs more in wages than Milan's team does. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, it's, it's this constant reframing of the narrative where he's turning water into wine and so on and so forth. And I think... You know, he, he used to be the special one. I think the only special achievements he's had at, at Roma, besides the, the the Conference League, and I think we'll get on to his legacy, and I'll probably let, let Nicky broach that. But I think if we're looking at what's happened recently, then his most recent tangible achievement is filling a stadium. And that's quite a damning indictment, I think. I was reacting to this with some colleagues earlier on, and someone said, oh, that's the end of the sellouts. And I said, is that really what they're going to miss most from Mourinho recently, is the fact that the Olympico is full at every home game? If that's the only thing they're going to miss, then they're probably in the long term better off without him, albeit I don't think 
this season is necessarily going to improve anytime soon. I think with Mourinho, it is complicated. And I think that with Mourinho, there's always going to be two camps and those two camps are never going to see eye to eye. And as usual, I find myself, because this is who I am, trying to sort of chart that course in the middle and, and to acknowledge both sides of things. But I, I, I do think it's it's slightly over-limiting it to say, well, it's just the Europa Conference League because they did get to within a penalty shootout of winning the Europa League last season. And I think that when you're talking about margins as fine as that, you're talking about spot kicks defining whether or not we're talking about, I think, I mean, do you not think if, if they win that shootout and he stops there, which he wouldn't have probably, but if he had, people would have looked at this as an unambiguously successful era. It would have been an unambiguously successful era. It would have been two European trophies. It would have been a return to the Champions League. It would have been it would have been right off into the sunset with that glory. But instead what happens is not only do you lose that Champions League final, but then you have that hideous behaviour with Anthony Taylor after the game. And and now the, the memory of it for a lot of people is the complete opposite. It was a game which they messed up. It was a a situation in which Jose didn't carry himself well. And I think that for me as well, what happened afterwards perhaps is one of the the early the early death knells is is when the club sort of gives him a nudge to maybe try and be a bit more conciliatory and to to speak out against the the fans who were going after the officials in the airport. And he's saying, well, I'm not doing that until someone speaks up for me, you know, and and he's always sort of he's always turned it back to himself. It's not new. That is Jose. Um, I think his league performance is unambiguously poor. And I know that there's going to be all my fans who disagree with that, but the, the numbers speak for themselves. And the Opta had a stat uh, that they put out today, which I thought was absolutely damning, which is since Serie I went to three points for a win, uh, if you look at Roma managers who've had more than 50 games in charge, he has the worst points return. The worst. Not sort of somewhere in the middle, the actual worst, 1.61 points per game. You think he was replacing Paolo Fonseca, who had finished in essentially exactly the same positions um, with less spending. And and this narrative of, oh, he hasn't spent any money the last two summers is, for me, that's the one part of this conversation. You just throw that straight in the bin because they had more than 100 million euro net spend the first season Jose was there. And their wage bill has been consistently one of the highest in the division. So the idea that they haven't had resources put in just because this last summer they tried to recoup some of that. No, not having that one at all. I want to ask you a serious question. So we know that Jose Mourinho, when it comes to his football, has been, well, has been terrible. But here's the thing, right? I agree with you. I agree with a lot of what you've just said. I agree with you that he was this close to winning mm-hmm. another final. He was, I think, the last coach who defeated Bayer Leverkusen because these people still haven't has, haven't suffered a loss since. And by the way, Mina, as well, like that final specifically, I know like the, the Dybala thing always injured is part of the Dybala project. But genuinely, if Dybala plays 90 minutes, I think they win that game. I, the difference in that final when he was there and when he wasn't was yeah. was huge. I will be pushing back against the fine margins narrative very shortly. But uh, Mina, you carry on. I guess my question is, is that I always feel that it takes a group effort. Well, I'm not, not always, but I do think that it's a bit of a group effort. Like, how much can we blame him entirely for the way that Roma's season is going? Or is it the choices of the club in general when it comes to recruitment, when it comes to, you know, bringing in these players that they're so fascinated by? I mean, when Thiago Pinto did this... You know, did the interview and started explaining the fact way he just would suggest these little ideas, little ideas, or maybe Lukaku can come to us, or maybe Dybala, and always is in jest. And then when he gets to them, he just feels like the big cheese that scored the great victory of signing these players. 
it's all good and well because Lukaku at least is always available to you. But when you have Pellegrini, when you have Renato Sanchez, when you have Dybala, um, always injury prone players, you're leaving Mourinho with not much opportunity to really try to build something. Am, am I finding excuses for him at this point? Yes and no. I think you, the manager will always have a say in recruitment and he has ultimately sanctioned those signings as well. And I think you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't try and brand it as or, or frame it as I'm Mourinho, I'm able to attract all of these great players. Lukaku wants to play with me again. Dybala wants to come to the club because I'm at the club. You know, even recently with Frosinone, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. Dean Hoyson, the 18-year-old, he doesn't go to Frosinone, he goes to Roma because he, you know, he snubs Di Francesco in favour of Mourinho. Then he gives away the crucial penalty in a derby and so on and so forth. You know, that was, that was a, a very unfortunate series of events. But I think you can't have it both ways. Either you say, yes, I want these players. I need star power. Uh, Roma needs these big personalities but they do come with a checkered injury record. You can't then say, we only get these players because they have bad injury records and no one will touch them. <laughs> well, which is it? Are you getting them because you're able to convince them to come or are you getting them because no one else wants them? Do you know, it's, it's, there's always an excuse, unfortunately. And I just want to come back to the fine margins thing. And I have really gone the opposite way in Mourinho's career. I was a huge Mourinho fanboy growing up. Me too massive i mean that comes with supporting southampton you don't really get much in the way of joy so you you know so you look for these sort of great personalities and winners and i loved i loved him winning with porto and bursting on the scene and then the chelsea years and inter it was just incredible it was just high after high after high but his whole career has been built on fine margins lest we forget he wins at Old Trafford because Kostinia scores in the 90th minute and they knock out manchester united and porto go on to win the champions league if memory serves he will always talk to you about the ghost goal, that was which is true. Because that was a ridiculous one. The ghost goal was if it wasn't given, then it's a red card and a penalty. So the, that one was always a bit of a, of a red herring, I thought. Sorry, that's just a... <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and even Inter, do you remember when Inter won the treble? They nearly went out in the group stage. I think they scored a last minute goal. Who was it against Werder Bremen or something like that? So oh, yeah. he has built his career on these fine margins. If you actually look back and you were to say well, you've got the rub of the green there. I think you have to take the rough with the smooth. And then, you know, if things have panned out your way in the early portion of your career because you have this force of personality and your players will die for you, then the players just get a little bit tired. And unfortunately, players also read, read the press. They watch coverage of football. They see how he's behaved at other clubs. They see how things haven't turned out. They see that eventually there comes a time when he no longer is able to get the same performances out of players and it's all stick and never carrot. And I think, you know, you can't accuse your players of betraying you. You can't say our wingbacks are useless, all their crosses are, 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 are rubbish because it, it's not conducive to getting an improvement out of the team. And I think the writing was on the wall when he starts to, starts to criticise the players. There is no smalling. You know, they, they sold Ibanez. You know, Mancini is pretty much dying at this point. You know, I, I feel like he has honestly played so many games and, and I could really use a few weeks without seeing that guy on my screen. Um, but, you know, it's I do feel like there's just been... Like, Tammy Abraham hasn't come back. This is not me to try to in any way, because you know how I feel about Jose Mourinho, but I, I do also feel like there has just been a lot and and he hasn't listen he makes bad choices because again you put Lukaku up there and you put him next to El Sharawi and you didn't bring on Belotti and, and he, you know that he performs better when he's next to another player because Lukaku is he can't do it on his own right and you're seeing the way that Milan is panning out it's almost like he was trying to get fired this is what I didn't understand it was like he was trying to get fired in that particular game 
But yes, does he speak badly? Yes, but he packs the stadium. He's brought you sponsorship deals. He, the fans have loved him. I mean, you know, people say that they've turned against him. Yes, of course, they've booed, yes. But they come and watch him. And there was every opportunity that even though he didn't win the group in the Europa League, he would still manage to make it to the latter stages. You always believe with Mourinho. Generally speaking, should we not have a bigger problem with the way this club is being run and what their actual long-term desires are? You're, you're, what, what is going to happen now? But aren't they run that way because of Jose? Aren't they run like would this club have made the decisions it's made financially if it wasn't for Jose being there and saying, "Well, I'm here, and you have okay. to back me." I think it's it's so difficult to untangle some of those things. The, the, the fan thing, my sense is still that Roma supporters overwhelmingly yeah. uh, support Mourinho. Of Absolutely. course, you can't do an actual poll of every Roma supporter in the world. Um, but I think in Rome especially, of course, there are different categories of supporter, right? And um, I'm not saying anyone's support is more or less valid than someone else's, but I do think online supporters and the supporters who are, are in the city are, are sometimes two different animals. And I think that within the city, there's, there's still overwhelming support for him. Um, and I think that this is the bit where I want to push back. And I've, I've just said that I think his league record is is flat bad. And I think to me, it's inexcusable. You can talk to me about injury lists if you want to. I can I can have a measure of sympathy. But this weekend, you were up against Stefano Pioli, who's had to deal with half a centre back for half of the season. I don't think I don't I don't buy it. I'm sorry, they're third in the league, and, and they're again spending less on wages than you are. I do think that as a support, as a football fan, I think that people sometimes need to step back again from that very online, in my opinion, discourse um, about, well, did he finish in the top form? Because actually winning a cup means something when you go to the stadium, when you go places, getting to celebrate a first piece of silverware in a decade and a half. That's, that's amazing. That's something that, especially a European trophy for a club that hadn't won anything since the Intercity Fairs Cup in 1961, winning a European trophy will make a memory for your lifetime. And when you have a manager who's done that for you, I think the loyalty coming with that is completely natural. I think that not, not taking that seriously is, is, is also wrong. I think that what he did in terms of winning a European trophy, coming so close to winning another one, is extraordinary. But he accompanied it with everything that he always accompanies it with, with the breakdowns, with the throwing heaps of his team under the bus. I mean, don't forget on the way to that um, Europa Conference League, they lost was it 6-1 to Bodo Glimt. Bodo Glimt. Yeah. And, and, and then it was half the squad needs to go. So with the throwing players under the bus, with throwing the board under the bus. And I, I do think that when, when sort of people want to understand really what's happened here, I, I think that's when you have to remember that in the end, it's not the fans who make the decisions. It is the board. And to the board, finishing the top four, is the most important thing because they've spent heaps of money. They're fighting incredibly hard to try and bring 100 million euro deficits down to to meet financial fair play um, restrictions. And if you don't ever get those Champions League revenues, which right now they're not going to, it, it becomes harder and harder and harder. But the Conference League, is that any bigger than the Coppa Italia? Because he's taken charge of what is it? Three Coppa Italia. Look, I can't remember what he did in his, his first season with the Coppa Italia, but there's there's an exit to Cremonese last season. There's an exit to Lazio this season. They they went behind to the Cremonese again in the, in the round of sixteen. Yeah, you know it's it it's, is, it's, but it's, it's not like no Patrick is bigger. 
it's the first European Cup. I mean, yeah, and yeah, he was the first so. to win that that it's version. It's the third tier European trophy. Though, sure. Isn't it? I mean, it's been made big by the fact Roma and West Ham have won it and have decided to say it's a big triumph for them because they've gone decades without winning major silver. You know, the Lazio fans just say it's it's a no- nothing, Coppetto, you know, it's just any old trophy. Right, but Lazio's own manager thinks that the Coppa Italia is the dumbest tournament in the world, and that's something that we just <laughs> talked about. I loved Sarri's league, by the way. After, after I love him so much. After winning that game, going to the semi-final of the Coppa Italia, you'd think it'd be like, oh, this is great. Because actually, I don't give a stuff about the Coppa just Italia. I'm just glad we won the derby because that's what know, and then that's that's him saying what the fan what the fan base wants to hear as well. It's difficult, isn't it? Because. We don't know much about the Friedkins, do we? Ryan and uh, Dan and, and Ryan, the father and son duo, because they seem to keep themselves to themselves. And I do wonder whether they've just become fed up with the noise that goes along with it. You know, if you're used to conducting yourself in a certain way and you like to be considered as classy operators in the business world, then you, you invest in a football club. And despite the visceral, passionate support and this, you know, iconic global personality if if he's in the in the headlines for more of the wrong reasons than the, than the good reasons i think there might just come a time when they said okay it's great in terms of visibility yes we do get a full stadium yes we get more sponsors revenue but ultimately would we be better off having someone who just you know toes the party line and develops players and works with within the financial parameters that we establish and maybe they might not finish top four but they finish fifth and they're got a chance of finishing in the top four, going up to the final game. You know, lest we forget, Mourinho was brought in because Paolo Fonseca couldn't beat any of the other members of the Seven Sisters or Eight Sisters, if you want to include Fiorentina in that. And Mourinho's record is barely any better than than what Fonseca achieved. So I think you have to look at it from the majority of the games he's taken charge of. You know, either you write off the league and say, we don't mind, we're just going to stay up and your remit is to win one piece of silverware be it a European or a domestic trophy or otherwise. Or you say to him, we want you to finish in the Champions League, which I believe was his primary target. He hasn't done it. He has now shifted the narrative because he said, I won the Conference League, I got to the Europa League final, which is outrageously good because, you know, you get into the Europa League as a seed by winning the Conference League. Had they won the Europa League on that penalty shootout, he'd have got them in the Champions League, much like he did with Manchester United when he didn't finish in the top four. And then suddenly he's won back-to-back trophies in two straight seasons, European silverware. It's incredible. And so I, I completely take your point, Nikki. that had they beaten Sevilla on that penalty shooter, and by the way, then they would have been the team that beat Sevilla in a Europa League final, something that no one had ever done. But again, they didn't. They so didn't. history, you know, history remembers the, the victors. And I think, you know, he will... He will now use that Europa League final. He's already started to do it, but he'll use that Europa League final in much the same way that he said, I won a trophy at every club apart from Tottenham where they didn't let me take charge of the Capital One or whatever it was branded as then, the the League Cup final, you know, when they sacked him and Ryan Mason took charge. Do you guys not just think though that like if he had just, because at the time it was this moment, it was sort of, it was received with, with triumphalism that Mourinho at the end of that game against Sevilla, he did that pointing at the floor gesture, I'm staying here. And everyone was 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 excited about it because it really hadn't been clear going into that final if it could be the end for him, win or lose. Do you, do you not think that even though it was a loss, walk away? I just think if he'd left away. them, it would have been it would have been a perceived in a completely different light to how it's now going to be perceived. His tenure there, one hundred percent. Which is why I have question marks about all of it. Like why? 
I'll be honest with you. When he started weaponizing the fans, um, you know, you're the best. You're the very best. I've been to Real Madrid. I've been to Chelsea. I've been to I've been to the best clubs in the world. You know, but like you are the best. And then it was almost like the sway to apply pressure on the Friedkins to to get that contract extension. Everyone wanted me. Saudi wanted me. I, I'll go there eventually, but I want to stay here. Rome is special. It was bizarre to me. I'm not going to lie. It's true. You did coach Real Madrid. You did coach like some of the biggest clubs in the world. Why are you doing all of this? If everyone wants you, like you say you they do, and I don't, it's, I'm not doubting him. What is it that, that you're getting? Because you're complaining every day. So it, it doesn't sound like you're having the time of your life. You're not producing something that, you know, your legacy is benefiting from any of it. You haven't created this bunch of players, you know, for, for Roma from the youth team or, or you're getting them into the Champions League. You're not. You're winning these sort of cups that, you know, it's a conference cup and, 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 it, and it's another European... He got it tattooed on his shoulder. He so do you think tattooed. that he really loved his job? Like, I'm, I'm trying to sort of make sense of it. Do you, I think season one, it was, a, it was an adventure and, and he fell in love with Rome. I think he wanted to extend to, so that he was also um, safeguarded against, uh, you know, he would have a financial payoff if he were dismissed as mm. well. You know, there's not much to pay him, pay him off now, is there, if he's out of contract at the end of, at the, end of the season. I, I, I do think, I think you're right, Nicky. I think he loves, Mourinho loves records and being the first man to do something. And he was the first man to win all three European club competitions. And he did so basically at the first time of asking in its inaugural edition. So, yeah. But it is impressive. It's all about him. It it's always impressive. been about him. It's hugely impressive. And and I really don't want this to come across as I am disregarding Jose Mourinho as, as a coach. I think he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, 26 pieces of silverware. I just think there is a marked difference between the first seven, eight years of his career and then and then the time after that. I think from, from Porto right up to the second spell at Chelsea when he comes back and wins the league there, I think that is one of the coaches at the peak of his powers. And, you know, he could have easily won the Champions League with Real Madrid or at least got them to the final. Um, and he could have easily done done likewise with... Because uh, wasn't it Mourinho... Um, Real Madrid hadn't gone past the round of 16 and didn't Mourinho yeah, he, come in and get a couple losing, of semifinals? They kept losing to Leon, and he managed and he kept, to... And he kept losing semifinals as well um, at Chelsea as well. So he could easily... He could easily have uh, four Champions Leagues with four different teams. But equally, you know, as we said earlier, there are also times when things went his way. But I just think the, the recent jobs he's had, he's still won things. You know, you have to say the United job, given what we've learned since with the, the other managers that have gone in there in the post-Ferguson era, you have to look at this, that as a success. You have to look at his overall time at Roma, two and a half seasons, as a success because he won the Conference League and very nearly, you know, he was runners-up in, in the Europa League. But... Has he left the club in a better place than where he picked it up? I think that's always what it comes down to. Well, let's talk about Roma because I think we've given Jose Mourinho enough time. I also want to do a little apology to Andrea Zoli, who also got sacked for Empoli, but won't get any of this coverage. <laughs> let's talk about Roma and their future and the decision to this. Are they better off now? Because if it is Daniele De Rossi, the man who only achieved three wins in 17 matches for Spal, is he the right guy to take over the squad? Or It's a fascinating little piece of history, isn't it? When you think that De Rossi was, for a time, um, would have had Mourinho as his great antagonist because that Roma team was was pushing to win the title. And, and of course, in, in the year of the treble, 2010, really did push Inter right to the very end. And then 
Mourinho left and went off to, to, to Real Madrid and for a I think two or three summers there was this sort of recurring story that um, Mourinho wanted to bring De Rossi to Real Madrid with him. And De Rossi even said some things at the time that made it sort of sound like he was open to it. So they, they've got this sort of history together of, of being rivals and then and then I guess of admiration and 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 now he's stepping into to fill his boots. There's nothing that we know about De Rossi. And of course it's it's almost impossible to make judgments for the new manager, but there's nothing we know that suggests he's ready for this, really. Um, he's been an assistant to Roberto Mancini for, for the national team in two stints, and he's had one situation where he's been first team manager at Spal that, as you said, Mina, didn't go well. So we have nothing concrete to hold on to and say, yes, this guy's shown he's got the, the, the chops to step in and do that job. I, I think the expectations probably are not going to be that he can step in and, and be the next brilliant manager. I, I think we're, we're back in that situation we see again and again in Italy, which is you can't hire from another club a manager in the same mm. season within Serie A. So your options are, are you going to go and, and, and look for one of those few really top-level managers who are currently out of work? So, for instance, Antonio Conte. Or God. are you going to say, what can we do to get to the end of the season? And the one thing that is sort of interesting with De Rossi is, well, maybe it is or isn't interesting. It was interesting to me. Uh, his his dad's been involved for a really long time with the under-19s. And I wonder if there's just a thought of, first of all, here's someone who the fans will swallow because they love him, mm. even though he's not Mourinho. And also who has a connection through his family to what's going on with the youth team. And frankly, given the strong likelihood they're going to miss out on the Champions League this season, maybe an acknowledgement that next season really is going to have to be about we cut back even more and we look to that youth system and, and see what it can give us. I understand this, but it's starting to look like that Rome is just not a well-run club. It's a case of we appease the fans, we try to do the best we can with what we have. There is no long-term strategy. There isn't a long-term plan. It seems like, you know, we'll bring in this guy who has very, very, it's like bringing in Pirlo for Juventus, you know, except and you don't have Ronaldo who can pace, put a plaster on it with all his goals. So who, because you, you can hope that Lukaku could put a poster because he, he's not Ronaldo. Do you, do you see what I mean? So In fairness to Piedlo, he had exactly the same first season with Juventus that Simone Inzaghi had with Inter. He just wasn't given the chance to have a second season. He won the Coppa Italia in the Super Cup. Yeah, well, precisely, well, exactly that. I mean, he, again, he had Ronaldo. So, um, but I do, I, I do sort of, I feel like Ronaldo <laughs> just covers over a lot of stuff. But I do sort of feel like I don't know what the long-term strategy of this club is. And I'm starting to doubt their ability to really know how to invest in the market, go for the right players that they need right now when you're, when for so long, I feel like they've started to chase the wrong players when you can see sort of the kids even even Milan, who have bought in a lot of players, have still given a lot of youngsters their opportunities because of injuries, because of what happened. And yes, Roma are, are now have Bove as a, as a fully-fledged member and, and, and all of that. But this seems like a team that doesn't really have a clear understanding. We're going to sack this guy. We're going to bring in this guy because everyone loves him. Either Mourinho was a strategy because you wanted to grow yourself as a commercial brand, as a brand in general, which, by the way, Mourinho significantly did for Roma. He bought a lot of eyes. I mean, there is not one time that I did a damn podcast on Italian football that I wasn't asked about Jose Mourinho's Roma. I never really spoke about Roma in any of these big 
European podcasts before he came along. I could never sit there and talk to them about, you know, Spalletti's Roma or Fonseca's Roma. No one was interested. So Jose Mourinho bought eyes. Jose Mourinho bought in players that everyone remembers. I mean, Dybala sat there crying as the entire of City came to, to welcome him. And a lot of that had to do with the pull of Dybala. And and uh, sorry of of Mourinho, and so I'm I'm saying I can understand that strategy, but then you you're going for Daniele De Rossi's strategy it just seems like a way of just plastering and 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 putting a, a plaster on all of this and saying well we're just going to try to appease the fans, and that worries me about the long term planning of this club in general. I don't see it that way. I see it as it reminds me a lot of Manchester United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's let's bring in a club legend because morale is at an all-time low. We're cutting our losses because the situation has become untenable. And you think Roma that's a well-run a, club? I, I wasn't saying that. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think, won 17 and drew one of his first 19 matches in charge. At, occasionally, football is quite simple. You give the players a lift. You give them confidence. You say, go and play with freedom. Expectations are low. Go out there and entertain the fans. We're not going to finish in the top four. You start saying that and then suddenly you find yourself at the end of March and you're three points off the Champions League places. And that's not to say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a better tactician than Mourinho. That's, that's just to say that it's an easier act to follow at that moment in time because he happens to have ended, as always is the case when a manager gets sacked. It's the lowest ebb of their time in charge. So I think there's an argument to say, bring someone in who knows the club in terms of what the club represents in terms of values, not in terms of knowing who the kit man is and all that nonsense, but in terms of Roma want to fill the stadium, yes, but they also want to play exciting football. They want to get excited again and not just necessarily win matches because uh, another, an opposition player has got sent off or because, you know, this it's just far too, it's been far too cynical recently. And we, we did predict this coming up as well, I think. We we looked at it and said, okay, Roma have won seven of their last nine, but we also looked at their opponents. And we also saw that coming up, they had games against uh, Inter, Napoli, Juventus, Atalanta, Milan, plus the Derby. And I don't think they've won a single one apart from Napoli, a Napoli side coached by Walter Mazzari that lost 3-0 at Torino and nearly drew against Salernitana. So I think it's a case of cut our losses now and we are writing off Champions League qualification. We wouldn't have qualified for the, for the Champions League even though they will say, oh, they're only five points off the top four, etc. You know, you've got to look at that sort of downward trend. And I think it's a case of saying... We'll give De Rossi six months. No one expects him to keep the job. I need. I think they need to resist the temptation to give him the job full-time, even if they were to go on a Solskjaer-style run. I think this is a way of saying, we're going to give ourselves six months now to ponder who we're going to hire as our next head coach in the fact that we don't have a general manager because Thiago Pinto is leaving at the start of February. Yeah. And, yes. and that way they can come together, take time and say, get us through to the end of the season. Let's try and finish in Europe. But this is, and then we're going to have a clean slate in the summer, which they would have probably had anyway if they decided against giving Mourinho a new contract, which it appeared they had. I think Patrick just touched on something really important there, which is Thiago Pinto. I think that, um, so officially Thiago Pinto is, I think, the general manager of football. This sort of use of terminology that that's much more like, I suppose, um, what, what that role is described as in, in American sports, often general manager rather than sporting director, but it's it's the same sort of role. And I think that you see this often, the reason American sports is in my head is that you see this often in American sports when they're looking to, um, of course, American ownership is the other reasons in my head, um, that the... Um, you see it's often in American sports when they're looking at that point of we need to start over this this sort of era is an end. It's often sort of perceived and talked about that you have to get the right general manager in place first and then make sure that that person is 
getting to pick the next coach because yes, the owners are going to be the ones who sign off on the contract, but the general manager is going to set the direction in a sporting sense of where things go. And so if Pinto is on the way out, is it worth making your big hire at manager now when you know you're going to have a new general manager coming in and you need to have someone? I'm going to interrupt you because it's been made official. Daniele De Rossi is now the coach of Roma. Oh, there you go. DDR. I'm just going to I'm just going to read you a question from uh, a, a Tifosi Patreon, uh, Dan Almond, who says, does Roma have unrealistic expectation levels of what they might achieve going forward? Unrealistic now that they've hired Daniele De Rossi? Actually, Dan Almond would be a good person to get on the podcast because I know he goes to Spal home and away. So uh, there you go. He does. Oh, really? uh, unfortunately, he's a Portsmouth fan back home. Which is, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Disappointing <laughs> for sorry, him. Sorry, Dan. There you go. Sorry. Uh, but Nikki, sorry, I interrupted you answering the question there. No, I, I, I just think, I just think that's it. I think, I think it in terms of the next hire, it's, it's almost uh, hiring the next big manager now will be putting the, the, the cart before the horse. I think that, um, I think that from the ownership's perspective, it's going to be get the general manager who'll decide what direction we're heading in, in conjunction with us, of course, but who'll set the tone for the club and, and then make sure that general manager wants to work with the new manager. Um, and I think that makes business-wise a lot of sense, whether or not you might make the case that, well, then wasn't it worth just hanging on a little bit longer because Pinto's going next month? That's a whole different conversation. But I, I also, funnily enough, looking at the fixture list, you've just talked about how difficult that recent run of games was, and it was, Patrick. The next few games are much easier. Verona, Sernitana, Cagliari. These are games you would think Roma really should pick up points from. And I almost wonder if there was that fear that if we let him go on a bit, the momentum will start going the other way and then it will be less easy to just make this decision. We need to rip the Band-Aid off and, and be done with it. Okay, guys, just um, just one last one because we, we must move on because there's a whole round of games that we haven't spoken about. <laughs> um, but I do... Or, or, I, the or Roma just, Chronicles. It really is. It really is today, but uh, it's, it's something worth noting. So we've just seen... Uh, I've just seen um, a video of Mourinho leaving Roma's training centre. He is absolutely mobbed, mobbed by fans. They are sycophants. They are screaming, We love you. We love you. Thank you so much. Uh, we have no words. Thank you, Mr. Okay, now, this is a good time to ask you a second question from uh, a Patreon uh, um, member, Rich, who asked, how could Roma fans be so loyal to Mourinho when the football was so dire and the results so poor? I think we would have answered that, but just a, a quick, just a quick uh, sentence from you guys, and then we've got to move on to Milan. Veneration, veneration. This is, uh, this is Rome. Uh, ancient Rome, emperors, gods, all of that idea, you know, um, just all of all of that heritage. I think there's there's something to that. And this is a club where Francesco Totti had his own room, basically, that was bigger than anything else. I can't remember which Roma coach it was, but just I think it may be Rudy Garcia. Was some, some Roma coach said he was just amazed by... No, it might it might even been Spalletti when he left the second time around. He just thought it was it was ludicrous, just the outsized personality that Francesco Totti had, and I think his retirement left a bit of a void, and that was filled by another big personality this time in the head coach's role. I know that's very reductive, but you did ask me to answer quickly. 
Yeah, I, to, to me, it, it, the, the biggest part of it comes back to to winning a trophy. Again, I, I think people forget because the Roma are such a big club and, and so sort of culturally iconic. They, they hadn't won anything for 14 years. And and so winning something is 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 not to be ignored. Um, but I, I, I do think the other part of it, I think Mourinho spoke to something that's really important in, I, I would say the Roman psyche. It's true across a lot of Italian football, but I feel it a lot when I talk to fans in in Rome, which is there's this sense of we're not the the powerhouse from the north. We're not treated the same way as powers from the north. And having a, a, a representative who speaks truth to power in that way, who speaks up for us and says, no, um, we're being disrespected and maybe it's it doesn't achieve anything in that sense, but it, it doesn't let won't let people just stand on us. I think that's who Mourinho embodied for a lot of Roma fans. And uh, and I think that was important as well. Gosh, Salernitana must love people in Zaghi for going out and saying, I demand respect for my team. I think that uh, sums it up nicely. Um, farewell to Jose Mourinho. I I feel as a character, he will be seriously missed. Yeah. But onwards and upwards, hopefully for Roma. I sort of wish we we snuck in, you know, a few more rounds of him. But anyway. <laughs> favorite music the music i want to listen and i want to listen in a very very strong way week in week out is the roma song the roma anthem at the olympico because i have to be honest even as an opponent you know the words because it's so beautiful so even as an opponent i used to go to that stadium and enjoy so much that that music with that passion so now i am on on that side i want it very very strong Network.